0: I'm Chris Stutchko, co host of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the EduGals Podcast. We are your co hosts, Rachel
1: Johnson. And Katie Atwell. We are here to bring you tips and tricks to help you integrate technology into your classroom.
0: In this episode, Katie is going to share with us some work that she's doing
1: with an organization called Living Hyphen. Mm -hmm. I'll share a little bit about who they are and how we are incorporating this organization into our ESL classrooms. Let's get started.
0: This week, Katie, well, mostly Katie. I'm going to say not Katie and I, but Katie is going to share with us some of the work that she's been doing recently with an organization called Living Hyphen and how it
1: relates to the classroom. Yes. So Living Hyphen, they came into my life about a year ago when I was sent a magazine and I was like, what is this? Who sent this to me? What's going on? But I've fallen in love with this uh, organization and this magazine and I'm going to tell you why. So living hyphen, it's talking about people who are between cultures. So hyphenated Canadians, essentially, newcomers. And it's talking about how to navigate and settle in a country where you don't really quite fit, so to speak, where you speak different languages. You come from a different background and there's a lot of different emotions and feelings and experiences that come with that. So it fits really well with ESL because, well, I teach newcomers. (laughs) Some of them are international students, so not necessarily looking to become Canadian citizens. But that experience, that settling in a new country and learning and, and becoming part of a community is still relevant. So we actually had this organization come in because they do writing workshops for students. And we had them come in for our ESL students, which it was a bit risky because we have step one, which are like really just starting out language and then, you know, going towards fluency. And um, they ran a workshop for us because our goal is to get our students to share their experiences, their culture, their language with the world, with our school community, with parent community, etc. So it was fun. It was neat. And it was interesting because we're not just writing in English. So yes, there was English, but it's honoring the languages they bring with them. And so if you don't have a word, just write it in your first language. Who cares? It's a writing project and our final product is going to be a book that we're creating, but it's going to have both languages. So they're going to write it in English and their first language. And how they get there is up to them. So if they feel stronger in their first language, like Arabic, for example, they'll write in Arabic. And then we'll work on translating that into English and making sure that it still makes sense and gets those feelings out that they want to share.
0: That was a lot of information to take in all at once. I'll, I'll be honest, and I know nothing about this organization. So I am on the learning journey with the rest of our listeners right now, learning about what Living Hyphen is and what they do. That sounds really neat. How often does their magazine
1: come out? Excellent question. I don't think often. Like, I feel like I have two or three different magazines from them. I think they only do like maybe quarterly. And uh, I I found their website. So we'll
0: link their website in the show notes for you so you can go on and take a look. They also uh, have a podcast. They have a few podcast episodes. They're, I think, just a season one right now, but that could be a good lesson as well.
1: Yeah, so essentially the podcast, they take the stories that they share and they interview those people and make them into a podcast to share a little bit more about their culture and what they've experienced, whether it be and it's like. There's good and bad things that people share, and I think that's okay, because not everything is happy. So even for our students, we gave different prompts as things they could use to write about. Some are, share an expression that you really like in your first language. What does it mean, and why is it important to you? And then some were, share the emotions you felt when you first found out you were moving to Canada. Some people are happy, some people not, right? And so it's honoring those feelings, honoring those emotions. And creating a safe space where students feel comfortable sharing.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just flipping through their website now. And, and one you know, particular sentence that's just really popping out at me is saying, like, our stories are left not only unheard, they are
1: often entirely untold. Yes, they are. Because we don't often ask questions. We don't often ask. We just assume, hey, you're in Canada, you must be so happy now. That's not always the case and nor should it always be the case because that comes with a whole host of different settling um, challenges and language challenges, culture challenges, like there's so much that that comes with. And so, yes, sometimes it's really happy and they're excited to be here, but that also comes with leaving behind an old life. And language and culture and experience.
0: Now, I, I think I have brought this up on the podcast before. I, I've had a little ex- a bit of experience with this in my life. And, and I say little, like it's super minute because when I was younger in my grade eight um, school year, I moved from Canada to England. And so I didn't have the addition of having to learn a new language or but it is still and even though my my family's background is british it still is a new culture and it's a new place to live it's new ways of doing things and ways of things that are done and even though i had no language challenges whatsoever i struggled with that transition mm-hmm. so i can only imagine for our english language learners adding that layer of language on top of it as well as maybe even the 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 culture itself is far more removed from where they're coming from. Like, oh, it's just, it's it's a lot to deal with.
1: Yeah. And then add on to it religion, because let's be honest, we want to say we live in a very accepting society, but that's not always the case. There's a lot of Islamophobia, etc. And then also skin color, because racism exists, and so... They're navigating so many different challenges and new culture, but also navigating a world that doesn't totally accept them for who they are.
0: Right. And so, yeah, like I said, I only had that like little, itty, minute sort of taste of it. And that was a struggle for me. Like I can only imagine, well, I can't imagine really what some of the struggles our students go through.
1: And so I think part of today is sharing this organization and this magazine and all of the things they do, because I think that... Their message is important, and I think all educators and all students should take a look at some of their magazines and podcasts, etc., and, and just remember that not everybody has a simple, happy, easy story of life in Canada.
0: Now, would you say they're writers' workshops for classes? Like, are they geared more towards maybe your ESL classes or English classes? Or can they come in to, say, for example, my science class and do something?
1: So probably more of an English class versus a science class in that the idea is it is an identity text. It's talking about who you are and how you feel adjectives, phrases, describing I think it was one of her first times doing a workshop for English language learners with so little English. And so I have some, some, I was using my Spanish because I have some newcomers who speak Spanish and not very much English. And so I was doing a lot of translating, but really any student, if you have students who love creative writing, you could do it with them. If you have students that, well, it works really well in an English class in particular, but it really could be anybody.
0: And so what did you end up
1: doing in that writer's workshop? So she took them through a series of different prompts and had them write down different thoughts, different phrases. There was one where they did where it was describing where they're from, but using their five senses. So what are things that you would see or hear or smell or touch or taste? And getting them to think about some of those based on where they're from. And then others were... Write a story about one of the family gatherings that you had and write using both languages. Like it doesn't just have to be English. You know, we intentionally want more than one language. And so the flipping through multiple languages within one story and and how that changes the story, but also personalizes it and makes it more powerful. Yeah, so I think it was five prompts in total that she took them through and just had them working and then sharing with one another. And I think that's important. One of them was the story of your name. And it was, that was probably one of the most powerful prompts because I don't have a story behind my name. My name was the one that my parents agreed on and it took them a while to come up with one they agreed on. But so many of my students have such beautiful and powerful stories of why their name was chosen and what it means in their language and why, you know, grandparents chose it or maybe it was aunts and uncles. And so... The look on their faces when they were sharing and the pride and and the reaction from students where everybody was so fascinated and like, this is amazing. I think that did so much to also build our ESL community and that relationship and and that feeling of safety and and honoring who we all are and what we bring with us. That's very neat. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Strongly recommend Living hyphen Writing Workshop. Okay, so now that
0: you've done that one workshop with them, where are you going from here?
1: Yes. So, we're taking in ESL on a different path this year. We've kind of blown it up as I've said, we're doing mixed levels. Um, but we also want to learn English by doing, more so than sitting in a classroom. So, we're doing a lot of projects and basing what they need to learn based on the project. And so What we're doing with this is we are creating a book that we will get printed, and we are going to sell it as a fundraiser for what we call our angel fund for our school, where we raise money for students who have financial need within our school community. So maybe they can't go to, I don't know, a field trip, or they need help with food, and so we give them a food card for our cafeteria for lunches every day, you know, things like that. So we've identified that as the organization or the the charity that we want to raise the money for. And we are also going to be hosting a multicultural night for our school. And that's where we're going to kind of highlight our text and, and sell it there as well. We'll do a formal book launch. And then we're also going to be podcasting about what they've written about. So each student is going to submit a written piece, whether it's one we did in the workshop with Justine or one that they're doing now based on the prompts, um, and then put it all together. And so we've divided it up into, I think, six or seven different teams with all different responsibilities. We have project managers to help keep the different groups on task. We have deadlines. And I'm such like a loosey-goosey teacher where I'm like, no, we need more time. But my, my other ESL teacher who does drama and is used to like having to like have production teams and keep things on time she's keeping me very honest here which is good yeah so it's it's we're kind of putting ourselves out there a lot more and we're really excited and getting students to advocate for themselves and learn how to properly communicate with principals and reach out to local newspapers for our events and stuff like that it's a lot of fun So I have a few things to say. So first off, wow, what a great
0: example of project-based learning, like true, true project-based learning. I think it's really hard to come up with ideas for getting into project-based learning and not just kind of doing a project for project's sake. But you have a cause that you're working for and working towards. And uh, you've got the full structure. So very, very neat. (laughs) I I love it because um, teachers always usually ask, well, what can I do for project-based learning? And teaming up with an organization, I think, is a great way to kind of find those opportunities, whether it's Living Hyphen or anyone else, to be able to, um, to then design projects around your curriculum. So that's really neat. The second question that I have, well, I have a lot of questions about your book and how you're going to put this book together. Uh, One of them, though, is are you going to have like dual languages in there? Are you going to have so students first language maybe or have it combined
1: with the languages like you were talking about with the prompts? Like what's that going to look like? So we we are doing a thematic breakdown. So we have five different prompts. The first one is emotions or reactions to finding out you're moving. The second one is settling in Canada. So it can be positives, negatives, things like big culture changes, what did you notice? Difficulties learning English. Number four is a phrase or expression in your language. And the last prompt is sense of belonging. So was there an event or a time when you first felt like you belonged or was there a time when you did not feel like you belong? And it kind of explaining that experience. And so we're going to do it by theme so that we'll have five sections in our book. And then the languages, it will be the first language or a language that they choose and English.
0: Nice. I love that. And then uh, what about illustrations? Like, are you going to have pictures and stuff to go with
1: it? So one of our teams is a graphic design team. And so they're going to be looking at whether it's going to be image based, like more graphics or like visuals throughout. We have a team that it's their job to decide. So it's very much student led. And I may have opinions, but I got to keep my hands up in the air because this is not my project. (laughs)
0: That's that's one of the big things, right, with project based learning is it does need to be student led and student driven. And you you have to give up that sense of control.
1: Yeah, I have to. Right. Because this is this is their piece. This is them in a book form. And so I need to kind of step back and let them take that ownership.
0: And uh, like, what about tools in terms of creating the book? Are you using Book Creator or something else? Has that not been decided yet?
1: It hasn't totally been decided yet because we've just started and we have to be careful about what tools we use, as you know. And Creator is not one we're allowed to use.
0: Yeah, I know. I brought it up. Any- I said Book Creator <laughs> or something else.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we're looking at different templates, whether we find like a nice looking slide template that we can make into more of a book form, whether we, I don't know. The students are very creative. It's a team that likes graphic design and so they're on it. So what are you gonna do if the team
0: is like, well, we wanna use Canva or Book Creator or something else that we're not
1: technically supposed to be using with students? You ask hard questions. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) We are gonna guide them towards things we can use Um, We've also reached out to our ComTech teacher, and and I think there's a course called Graphic Design Teacher. We're looking to partnership with him and see what programs he has and which ones we can perhaps tag along and use.
0: Yeah, I guess guess the reason I'm asking is because I'm curious what else there is out there that we could use, and... I don't know what they use for, for, say, ComTech or any kind of those graphic design courses. I'm sure it's something with Adobe, but Adobe products are usually pretty complex to use, right?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's all going to kind of come out in the wash. Probably the first week back, we're going, they're going to have to commit to a program. So we'll kind of see how that goes.
0: And then uh, what are your plans for the book launch?
1: Well, I'm not allowed to have plans. Um- <laughs> The students have booked out or they, they're they in the midst of communicating with our librarians and they're going to book out the whole library and they're going to invite different... So the official book launch is going to be different period one classes because all of our ESL classes are during period one. And they're going to invite administration and they're going to reach out to local newspapers as well and invite them to our book launch. And then the students applied for a grant and we got some money. And so we're going to use some of that grant money for beverages and refreshments. And and then we have a presentation team who's working already on like the intro to our book. And so we'll do a bit of a presentation and then we'll also have copies of our book there for uh, people to take a look at and potentially purchase.
0: I love that. It sounds like you've got a bunch of different rules for students to choose from in order for them to pick something that they're comfortable with and something that maybe is their strength. So You know, maybe our English language learners are not as strong with their oral skills, but maybe their written skills are great, you know, then they can take part more in the writing piece, whereas vice versa, maybe they're on the presentation team.
1: Yeah, there's kind of a group for everybody. And so we're working (laughs) towards finding a good spot. And even if it's not great, like if you're not great at presentations, guess what? You're about to become really good at them. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not a bad skill to develop. Oh,
0: it's a great skill to develop. Yeah. I guess the last thing that that I kind of want to ask, and this is a tough question too, but how do you evaluate something like that? Or
1: do you? In some ways, yeah. Well, you ask good questions. So part of the writing, when we were talking about it, we're like, how much do we edit? Do we get somebody to really look over it and edit it? But then we're like, no. So the process is going to be a lot of what we evaluate. So what were the steps you took? Did you, so we have to embed lessons in in pragmatics so how you like tone and register of speech when you're reaching out to for example reporters or organizations or principals etc is going to be different than students in the school and so we do have to embed some lessons so how well have you taken these these lessons that you've been doing on on writing styles etc and implemented them and so there there is process like we don't just have them hit send on an email there is a back and forth, and why would you use that term? Why would you use that phrase? Is there a way you could be a little more respectful? And and um, let's talk about what that can look like. So process is going to be a big part of this, Mark, but we, we are not going to edit it for perfection because you lose, you almost lose what we call interlanguage in, in what I'm doing a lot of my studies on. It's that in-between language. You're learning a language, and so you're developing this Language that's between kind of low proficiency, high proficiency, and you're kind of making it work. But there's something to be said about that interlanguage of my students and and how they're communicating, because it shows kind of this living hyphen. They're, they're in between culture, they're in between language, and there's value in that and honoring this process. And so we won't be editing to perfection, we'll be editing to comprehension. Can you understand? Is your message coming across? I've
0: never heard the term interlanguage before, but I know exactly what you mean. And I actually love it. Like I, I love some of the phrases and, and ways that even my English language learners in my science class express things. It's, it's, I don't know. It, it's fun. It's, it's cute. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, you can understand what they mean, but y- yeah, you do get that essentially that living hyphen between the two cultures, which is yep. really neat. Yeah, so we're embracing that
1: because that's what this is all about.
0: And the reason I asked about evaluation is because that's where I've always struggled with project-based learning is students have poured so much of their effort into doing a project like this and then when in the past, when I've put a number on it or a, a grade that's associated with it at the end, all of that motivation and that pride in their work just goes down the tube. And so, yeah, I know I was curious what you were doing, because that's like I said, that's that's always one area I think that is the most challenging with project based learning.
1: Yes. And so like my presentation crew, they're going to have multiple opportunities to present. So I'm not going to do every single one, but I am going to look at how they've changed and developed over time. So how did they improve from one presentation to the next and and looking at maximizing that grade? Because I'm not going to grade every single thing. That's not my style because it's most, most recent, most consistent. So if they are not so great at the beginning, but they're awesome by the end of it and consistently awesome, I'm just going to take that consistently awesome mark. Just give them chance to constantly see that improvement and have that motivate them.
0: It's also a great sort of place to bring in student voice yeah. into the the assessment process as well, so having them reflect on how they think their skills have progressed and having letting them have
1: a bit of a voice in where their final mark ends up too. 100%. And I think that's that's important and that will definitely be part of this process.
0: Yeah, I I think uh, going forward after all of my experience with ungrading and what I've been doing this year, that I I couldn't just stick a mark on a project-based learning opportunity anymore. It would have to be something done in partnership
1: with my students. I agree. And this is so much of who they are and and how they identify. And they're putting themselves out and taking a risk by, by sharing something that could be very personal. Yeah, you you don't want a grade to
0: be detrimental to no. that or ne- have a negative impact that they never want to share
1: again, right? Exactly. So I want to make sure that I am being kind of careful with that because I don't want to, to kind of take that vulnerability and, and kind of crush that.
0: Well, I have to say I've learned a lot about an organization that literally I knew nothing about
1: when we hit record. So thank you, Katie. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'll be sure to share some updates as we go along and invite you to our launch party or something. Oh, that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll wrap up our conversation here today and we'll include any of the resources or links we talked about today in our show notes. You can access our show notes for this episode at edugals.com slash 119. That's one nineteen.
1: And if you like what you heard today, then feel free to share it with a colleague or a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss out on any future content. And
0: as always, we love hearing from you. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes or ideas that you'd like to share with us, you can go on to our flip at edugals.com slash flipgrid and leave us a video message there. Or you can go onto our website at edugals.com and leave us a written response.
1: Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our EduGals podcast. Show notes for this episode are available at edugals.com. That's E-D-U-G-A-L-S dot We'd also love to hear your feedback, so leave us a message on our website.
0: And if you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and consider leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, keep being awesome and try something new.